Great. Well, morning, everyone. <laughs> Happy New Year. Hope you had a good break. Is it schools tomorrow? Is it schools go back? That's right. So I saw someone suggesting a, a phased uh, time scale back. You know, someone put it on Facebook. Wouldn't it be good if, like, the first day they could start at half past nine and then the next day quarter past ten? And I think the teachers would like that as well. I see a few nodding there. Uh, we're looking into the Bible today in Acts chapter 20. Uh, if you want to uh, turn it up, it'll, it'll come onto the screen in a minute. I'm not going to read it quite now, but it's on page 1117 uh, in the Bibles nearby. And as Peter said, we're, we're basically this morning finishing off uh, a series of Bible teaching that we began uh, back in the autumn, uh, looking uh, into the New Testament and particularly finding out how the early church, how that first church, those first Christian communities in the Roman world grew. And this is the last one in in that series uh, today. Uh, And we've been focusing for most of the time, not all of it, on the book of Acts. Uh, uh, We've also looked at some of the uh, letters that the Apostle Paul wrote as well. But in particular, we've been thinking of the story of how these churches uh, grew. It's an exciting account. Uh, because we, we've seen, haven't we, if you can cast your mind back to how, how these uh, communities of believers were growing and thriving uh, across the empire. Not just in Palestine, not just in Jerusalem, in places where Jesus had been heard of or where people had known him or heard him teach or, or where Judaism was a, was a, a, a dominant thing, a thought kind of pattern. But, but across the Roman Empire, in, in big uh, secular cities, cities where nobody really knew that, or, or really appreciated that there was one God, for example, let alone were expecting any kind of Messiah or, or chosen one to arrive. No, no, these were places that were completely Roman in their thinking and in their culture. Uh, places like Antioch, do you remember that? Big, one of the biggest cities in the empire in the province of Syria. Or Corinth, again, all these were capital cities of their bits of the empire at the time. Or Thessalonica or Ephesus, big secular cities that were not really, you might think, that different from our own city like Southampton. Uh, We're living in a city that is pretty much... Uh, you know, most of the people here don't, well, a lot of them don't even really know about God, let alone anything else. It's not a particularly conducive city, perhaps, no different from Ephesus, Thessalonica, Corinth, or Antioch. And uh, the, the, the idea of this series was to try to get into our heads and into our hearts a, a vision of what God can do. If God could work through his uh, word, through his gospel, through his people in those big Roman Empire cities, well, why not here? to increase our faith, increase our confidence in the gospel and how it can impact the lives of people just like the people around us. To encourage us to pray, to to kind of open up our hearts and our minds a bit because we want the word that we study together each Sunday to be shaping our thinking, our lives, how we how we approach our, the way we live in Southampton or wherever we are if you're listening to this uh, online. And last time when we were, we were in the, this last one of these series, I think Biddy Taylor was here and she was uh, talking about how the church made a massive impact in this city called Ephesus. And today we're back in that place. 
Uh, now it's at the end of the three-year period that Paul, his, uh, the, the person who started the church there, one of the early followers of Jesus, he's uh, just kind of leaving them now. He wants to head back off to Jerusalem. Uh, he's not expecting to see that church again. Uh, uh, he has all kinds, of, as we shall see, senses that things are going to be different in the future for him. He also has plans. We read in other parts of the New Testament in, in his letter to the, uh, the church in Rome. He, after he'd been in Jerusalem, his plan was to go to Rome and then actually go on to Spain. He, he had his eyes set uh, you know, further west and he was thinking he's got these churches going in Ephesus, Antioch and Corinth, all those other places. He was going to head on out towards Spain. But as it happened, that, did, he did, that was his, in his heart, but it wasn't what happened. So here we are then. Uh, Paul, his, his plans are to go back further west, and he gets the leaders uh, of the church in Ephesus together. Uh, the, and the church in Ephesus was almost certainly a, 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 gr- a group of different small house church type communities. He's sent them a message. He says, I'm passing through nearby on my way to Jerusalem. It wouldn't be great to get together. I'd like to just spend some time with you guys one last time. Can we meet somewhere? And, and he gets off the boat at a certain place called Miletus. Or, uh, and, and there they get together and, and have a talk. Or he has a kind of spend some, spend some time with them. He wants to say goodbye to them and to leave them with a final briefing. He's looking into the future, and he knows as he looks into the future, for this church, Ephesus, then they need to continue to be growing. They need to be sustained in their growth. And surely we need that too, don't we? We need to be continuing to grow in a secular western city where we are here in Southampton. So I figured that perhaps we can learn something about Paul's, what Paul briefs them on uh, uh, and how the kind of advice and, uh, and, and teaching he brings them to help them to, to be growing into the future. How could that help us? Well, let's read what he says. It's in Acts 20, and I'm going to start reading from verse 17. So here we are. This is his kind of briefing. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church... And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or bishops, that word can be. Be shepherds or pastors of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, 
and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit to you, God, sorry, and now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. It's a moving passage, isn't it? It's very kind of emotional. You can kind of sense the the bond. And this was almost certainly a large group. This wasn't just a few. This would have been a large group of leaders that he's got together. And they're there and they're praying. And Luke is there as well. And Luke has remembered it and, and is recording it for us. Luke, as we know, wrote the book of Acts. Now, there's a lot of things in here. And I just want to pick up on three of the kind of uh, briefing points that we can get out of it. That Paul kind of leaves with them to prepare them to lead the church into ongoing growth, growth rather, in the future. Just three things. Relatively simple, really. Here's number one. Paul says, first of all, guys, it's tough. Growth does not come easily, and it's not sustained easily either. This is a group of leaders that have grown up with him in the church since it was started, even perhaps before Paul arrived, because um, uh, Priscilla and Aquila were there already established uh, before Paul got there uh, longer term. Priscilla and Aquila are almost certainly among that group uh, uh, if they're still in Ephesus at that time. And they've been through a lot together, three years of it. And Paul takes them back through some of what they've been. He says, look, you know it's been tough. And look, look at what he says. He talks of being humbled. He said, I, I serve the Lord in humility. I really, it, it humbled me. He talks about tears, crying, threats, opposition, and plots, he says. He says, I've been tested by these things. He said, these aren't just circumstances. They've kind of come in on me and I, I felt it like, I felt like I've been on the rack myself and I've been tested. And maybe you feel like that, he's saying to these leaders. Do you remember all these things we've been through? Did you notice there, he said, more than once, he says, I did not hesitate to do this. I, I did not hesitate to, to um, you know, share with you the good news of repentance towards God and so on. And it's almost like, you know, as they hear him say, you know, I did not hesitate. They they were thinking, yeah, Paul, yeah, we can see how easily it would have been for you to hesitate. It wasn't, if you hesitated, that would have been perfectly understandable, Paul, given how tough it was. But he said, I didn't hesitate. I kept going. He said, it's been hard work. He said, "You, you know how hard I've worked there. And as we saw last time when Biddy was telling us, every day he spent the hot hours of the day dialoguing and discussing in the lecture hall of Tyrannus there in Ephesus. Uh, and then he said, I didn't just do that every day. I, I, we, we were in each other's homes and we were talking and, and, and it, it was hard work. It just went on. 
He said, I've told people about the need to repent. Did you notice that? Verse 21. Both Jews and Greeks, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That was his first message. That He said, I told people they needed to, to get their attitude to God right. They, they, they were away from God. They had to turn towards him. Turn away from their, their kind of wanting to go their own way. Turn towards God in repentance. And he said, then, then I've told them they needed to put their faith to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to, to commit their lives to him. Uh, he said, I've not just been bashing ideas around, you know, saying, this is a nice idea. I've come over to the Hall of Tyrannus and we'll talk through some issues. He's saying, yeah, we were doing that, but, but it was for people's lives. It was to, to make this change or to see this change in their lives. And, and that doesn't come easily. That was hard work. It was draining. He said, I didn't hold back on anything. He says in verse 27, I told people the whole will of God, the whole counsel of God in, 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 in another version. And the leaders know all of that. They've been there too. But what Paul is saying is that's how it's been and that's how it's going to be, guys. That's the thrust of his message. He's not, this isn't just a let's reminisce and look back on the good times we've had together. Let's just have a final glow in the memory of the last three years and, and then I'll be off on the ship. No, he's saying it to them because he's saying, guys, it's been tough and it's going to be tough. And, and I want you to know that. I want you to, to be aware of that. So he goes on to tell them, doesn't he, that they need to guard the church in the future. The church is going to need caring for, like shepherds. In fact, all the different leadership words in the New Testament are used here. Bishops, pastors, overseers, shepherds. Elders, it's all in this, uh, in this passage. Luke uses all of the different words that we read in the New Testament for, for leaders in, 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 in churches. And he says, look, guys, you're going to have to be careful. False teaching can come in. People inside the church, he said, can start wanting followers for themselves. Other personal agendas of, of politics and, you know, power and, you know, status and all that kind of thing. We see all of that in Corinthians, don't we? How that happened, how that turned out in Corinth. Other agendas will matter uh, more than God's truth. There will be tears for you, says Paul, in the future. That's the implication. So Paul is simply telling them that tough is normal. Now, as we look into the future, if we're going to see sustained growth, how do we feel about that? That tough could be normal. And it's very hard. We live in an orange culture with white words. I'm referring to easy. We live in easy culture, don't we? We've got easy jet. We've got, what else we've got? Easy cruises, easy, well, I can't remember all the other easy company, easy hotels. What a great, what a great piece of marketing that, the, that guy had. It just immediately tapped in, easy. Our culture is easy. That's how we are. Everything's easy for us. I mean, for goodness sake, it rains a bit, you know, and, and then we get flooded. And, you, we, well, we're in a terrible state. And, and I, you know, we must be sympathetic. I mean, if you've lost, you know, if you've got two inches of water, that's a terrible thing. But it's terrible. I mean, compared to people living in Bangladesh, you know, they're flooded. You know, three quarters of the country is flooded once, you know, every five years, and a third of the country. You know, we're not used to that kind of thing, are we? We're not used to things being tough. So it's not easy for us in our culture to hear about struggles, about tears, about opposition, about challenges, about setbacks. 
But that's how it is. That's why growth needs to be sustained. It's like being in, in a plane in flight. I've, um, some time ago, someone gave me, a few years ago, a really old, old edition of um, Microsoft Flight Simulator. And a few days off this week, I got back into it again. And one of the things about flight, of course, planes, you know, is that if they don't keep going, if they don't have power going along, then they basically fall to the ground, don't they, eventually? And, and uh, the, there, are, there are scientific reasons for that, which uh, I don't fully understand. But if I read the flight, the, the ground school bit of the simulation, I'd, I'd learn no better. But, and it's like, isn't it? The tendency is, unless we, yeah, we need to be kind of sustained, the energy, the life, the, it's tough. There's work to do if we're going to go forward. So let's not be surprised by hard work and tears in our Christian life and service, especially as we serve together, looking for growth. You know, lots of times in the Bible, lots of times in the New Testament, we, there are images and illustrations and phrases that are all about, don't like these things really, because I don't know this world much, as you can see by looking at me, uh, phrases like workouts and, and gyms and you know, exercise. We've got one in this passage about running a race. Paul says, I want to complete the race. Um, more likely things about exertion and pressing forward, straining, you know, all those kind of New Testament images. And, you know, we need to realize that, that tough is kind of normal if we're going to see sustained growth. Let's not forget the kind of fellowship we're in. Now, there was a period in the uh, late 70s, early 80s where, you know, almost every, you know, the most fa- everyone in the evangelical world, evangelical f- slash like kind of soft charismatic world uh, which I was kind of part of and still am I suppose um, was you know the only only Greek word anyone knew was the word koinonia you know it was fellowship the word the Greek word for fellowship you know just about every youth fellowship something well they they called koinonia you know koinonia that was what some of them called in America I understand um, you even have churches where the place you have coffee in afterwards is called the fellowship hall yeah have you come across that um, you know, we'll meet in the fellowship hall. And fellowship was about, you know, hanging out and having coffee and all that kind of stuff. All I can say is thank God for uh, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, who's brought back the real biblical meaning of the word fellowship, the fellowship of the ring. Because the fellowship, the community, this is, a, this is a group of people who are not drinking coffee in a fellowship hall, are they? They're together doing something that's worthwhile, whether there is struggle, whether there is pain, where actually for some it's going to be death, but it's worthwhile and they're together. That is what it is for them, fellowship. Sustained growth doesn't come easily. Very few worthwhile things do, don't they? Let's not forget who we follow, Jesus. Let's not forget what he said to people who didn't grasp the cost of being on the road with him. He made it pretty clear, didn't he? Unless you take up your cross, unless you're willing for the tough, you can't be my disciple. It's just not possible to be a disciple of Jesus without realizing that that's the case. Maybe we need to pray about that. Maybe you need to pray about that individually. Maybe afterwards you can pray with somebody. That's the first thing. Growth, sustained growth, does not come easily. Tough 
is normal. But that's not all, thank goodness. Let's move on to the second point. And that is that Paul also says in this whole kind of, kind of behind all of what he's saying, is this idea that growth or sustained growth takes people. It involves people. And he talks about himself and about these leaders. He's talking about serving for sustained growth. Okay, So it's not just that it's tough, but to be sustained in our growth, we need to have people who are serving. And Paul, as we've seen, is using himself as an example here. Now, why is he doing that? Well, obviously, God used him and he used the team that were with him to bring this growth in Ephesus. That's how the Lord used, it, used him. But as he moves on, he's saying to the, the leaders of the church who are there listening to him, he's saying, now, now that you're in the place that we were in now. Actually, they've probably been there with him already. But he's saying that it's not just, you know, look at what I've been through. He's saying to them, look, that's where you are now. And any church who sees sustained growth will first need to see people willing to be part of it. To be involved in it, serving for sustained group. Here, as I said, they're leaders in this group that Paul is talking to. And uh, elders, pastors, bishops, overseers, all the New Testament words for leaders are here in this passage. But wherever we are, if there's to be ongoing growth, people have to serve. People need to be in the place where these leaders are standing. And you can just imagine, as these leaders hear Paul speaking, they must be thinking, they must be gulping. (laughs) Gulp, you know. But we're not you, Paul, they must be thinking. So Paul's going to show them how it was that he and his team were able to be there, being useful. Look at how he describes it. Is it just for him? Is it just because he's an apostle? Is it just because he was the one who was there? Or is there more to it? Well, look what he says. Look at his example in verse 19. I served the Lord, he says. Verse 24, he's talking about where he's going on. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He said, I do it because I'm serving the Lord. And when Luke refers to Jesus, he often calls him the Lord. In Luke's gospel and in the Acts. Luke loved just to refer to Jesus as the Lord. And Paul says, I'm serving the Lord. I do it for Jesus. He says, I realize that Jesus has given me something to do. In verse 26, he says, actually, I've got a sense of obligation. That's why he says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I've done everything that... Jesus told me to do, as far as I can say. He said, I'm doing it. I'm serving the Lord Jesus. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it because he's given me this task to do. I've discovered what it is I'm going to do it. Because I love him. And I'm going to serve him, whatever happens in the church. That's why I can push through tears and struggles and plots and all those other things. Because I'm doing it for Jesus, is what Paul is saying. But more than that, he says, that the Holy Spirit was pushing him on. It wasn't just that he had a mindset thing. Yeah, I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm a very devoted, committed person to an idea. No, the Jesus that he knew 
was the Jesus who was filling him, who living in his life as we've been singing. The power of Jesus' love was part of his experience. And that was pushing him forward as well. He had that internal God kind of thrust energy inside of him, even when it got tough. He was not on his own. Now, you, again, you think of those leaders. Well, that's fine for you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, good for you. That's great. Is that just for you? Well, look what he says to the leaders. Paul says to the leaders then in verse 28. He's just been talking about how the Holy Spirit has been enabling him, Paul the Apostle, to do these things. In verse 28, what does he say about these leaders? Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of, the God, of God of which the Holy Spirit has made you over. See, he's saying to them, the Holy Spirit who has in, in, indwelled me and enabled me, Jesus in me, by the power of the Spirit, is the same Holy Spirit in you. He's given you this job to do. So everything Paul says about himself and serving the Lord, as the uh, elders and leaders of, of the churches around Ephesus are there, you know, they're getting it. Paul is saying, that's for you too. It's not just a one-off thing for me, says Paul. And he, as you read, I won't go into the details because of time, but you can see there. So he says, what does he say to them? Keep watch on your own lives, he says. Just as Paul has said, I'm going to finish the task. I'm not going to drop out of the race. Paul says to the Ephesian elders, you stay in the race. You stay there. You keep going. Make sure you finish. Look at verse 35. He's talking again about his example there's a, a very little interesting little change. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. He's saying, I did this, but I'm showing you that it's not just, it's what we do. We do that together, he says to the, those leaders. And he talks about the words of Jesus there, shaping their lives and there being a blessing it is uh, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So for sustained, ongoing growth, people are needed. People who will serve Jesus in being part of it. People who use their gifts because they love the Lord and because the Lord has given them something that they know they, they, they need to do. Listening to the Holy Spirit, depending upon the Holy Spirit, Doing it in his strength and in his power. Keeping watch on their lives and the lives of those around them. Passionate for the church. Realizing that for there to be ongoing growth and people are needed to be serving. Being blessed as they give more. Uh, rather, as they receive more than they give in other ways. So here we are then. Where are we? Where are you serving the Lord? How are we in this? Can we honestly say that's where we are? Whether we do that in the church or in some other way as we live our lives with our families, with our jobs, in our neighborhoods, wherever we are. Do we have that sense that I, I want to do this for Jesus? I'm looking for God to be at work through me. Listening to the Holy Spirit, following him. It's the first Sunday of the new year. How are you feeling about another lap then? <laughs> Some of us may be thinking, yeah, let's get it. Others think, oh, another lap, you know. Let's get there. Watching your life, being responsive to the Lord, obedient to him. So to keep growing, it's going to be tough. It's going to take people who serve the Lord for that. 
Is it challenging? Yes. Is it impossible? No. Why? Because of what Paul says here in, in his third kind of briefing point. Third thing that, about it, about ongoing growth, it can happen. Because he talks in this, uh, all through his little kind of um, time with them, about how God provides for this sustained growth. God's provision for sustained growth. Now, one thing that you may remember from all of these uh, examples we've been in in this series, all of these big Roman cities where the church grew, one common thing about it, it, we see it very clearly in Antioch, but it goes on through. And then, do you remember in Antioch, it says the Lord's hand was with them. The Lord added to the church. Uh, Corinthians, about Corinth, God made it grow. God was working. People turned to the Lord. They don't turn to the church. They turn to the Lord. They're added to the Lord Jesus. They get connected to him. A couple of weeks' time, we're going to have a baptism. And baptism is a symbol of that being connected to Jesus, that, that kind of commitment to him, that, that kind of uh, incorporation into all that he is and all that he's done for you. God makes them grow. That's what makes it possible. It's because what God does. And uh, we see that worked out. Look at, again in verse 28. Paul says to these leaders, the Holy Spirit put you in place as leaders. The Holy Spirit is working in the church. Just as the same as the Holy Spirit is moving Paul on. It, it, God is in, it, it, kind of in filling it and energizing it and enabling it. Enabling that community to grow. It's what God is doing. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Sustained growth is not about what what we can somehow manage to do. It's about God at work among us. But look at secondly, not just as the Holy Spirit put them in place, not just as the Holy Spirit moving. But in verse 28, there's a lovely phrase in verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the church of the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Or can read, which he bought with the blood of his own. Their community, Paul calls it by its right word, the church of God. That's a key phrase. See it lots in Paul's writing. In the epistles. God's church. Why is it God's church? Because he paid for it. By the blood of his own. Or by his own blood. Jesus has died. So that the church. This community that was going to be ongoing. Through sustained growth in in Ephesus. And in other places. It's God's church. God has bought it. He paid for it. Jesus has died. So that the church may belong to God. This is God's investment in his people. God's investment in us together, in you. There it is, there. God's church. Why? Because he's paid for it. He bought it. He redeemed us. He formed us into this community because of what Jesus has done. We serve, we work, we're available, we pray, but it's God's church. And God does things in his church and through his church. So say, communion says God paid for this church. Jesus died. 
The new covenant that uh, Jesus declares is, is, is kind of uh, fulfilling the old covenant. The old covenant, the Jewish covenant said, you are my people and I am your God. Jesus says when he takes cut the cup, he says, this is the new covenant. It's in my blood. Same thing, only fulfilled. You are my people. I am your God. You are mine. The Old Testament says at the beginning, in the old covenant, he says, you are my precious possession. You are mine. Paul says the church is God's church. We're his. That should help us to get kind of sustained growth, shouldn't it? If we get hold of that idea. And verse 32, look at verse 32. Paul says, he commits them to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up, secure your inheritance. Paul says, I'm committing you to God. I'm committing to you to his word, his truth talked about the message of repentance and faith the whole counsel of god the word that we we look into understand ask god to speak to us in it one of the resources we have and paul says these things god and his word of grace can build you up can secure your inheritance paul is saying you know you wonder about your inheritance what will you ever have left at the end of the day don't use that what kind of inheritance is about we kind of think of it more as pension funds these days i suppose paul is saying Actually, what matters to me doesn't matter about all of that kind of stuff. What matters most, God will secure. It will not be wasted. He talks about money. He says, I don't care about money. I don't really matter how much I've got a lot of money or a little bit of money. I'm willing to work as a tent maker and, you know, pay for myself. That's okay. That's what he talks about money because he's saying, actually, that doesn't matter much. What really matters is, is God's kingdom, God's truth, God's inheritance. And God will look after that. See what Paul is saying? All that God gives to enable growth to continue. What is it? The Holy Spirit. God's word of grace. God's investment and ownership of us. God's presence with us in blessing as that word is lived out. I love verse 35. It's uh, lots and lots of reasons, but not least actually that um, if you look in the Gospels for any reference to the Lord Jesus saying these words, it's more blessed to give than to receive, it's not there. So it, it just shows that there were sayings of Jesus, the words of Jesus were circulating around the early church at the time, and this was one of them. Uh, and we have it in the Bible, so we know that it is, because Paul, Paul, that's one of the phrases that, that was going around. But what Paul is saying here is that as the word of Jesus, this little word of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive as that word shapes his life he says as i live that as i do that and he said i'm blessed something of god a little wind of heaven kind of blows across my experience as i live the word of god so as we go into 2014 we do want to see sustained growth as a church don't we I think this, uh, what Paul is saying to the elders here in, in Acts 20, he says that it can happen in a secular city like Southampton, just as it did in those growing churches of the first century in their cities. But it's not easy. It takes people. But God gives us all we need as we trust ourselves to him. So let's be in that place as a, a community as we go together into this new year to know what God can do. And to trust ourselves to him, knowing that he has the resources as we step forward in obedience and response for his glory.
you want to pray about this with anyone afterwards, then do come and join the little corner here. There'll be people to pray. Now, I think uh, Peter's going to come back, um, and there's a, a, a song. But let me, as the band comes, let's just bow for a, a moment of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the realism of your word. We thank you that it's up front and challenges us as we're used to an easy culture, that uh, it can be tough following you. We pray, Lord, that we'll be in, in that place to not just know that it's tough, but also to know that what you can do, Lord, to be available, to be sustained in that because we're doing it for you, Lord Jesus, and because we know you by your spirit enabling us. And Lord, we pray that we may see all the resources, dear Father, that you have for us as your people in this local fellowship and indeed all the churches in this city. Lord, that we may know that we belong to you and that we'll see your word of grace shaping our lives and your spirit taking us forward, that we may be growing, that there may be many more people this time next year who are followers of Jesus in this city as a result of your people here, whether it's Portswood, Highfield, Victories and Denny's, Bove Bar, far on out, Lord, wherever it is, Lord, we pray that we may see sustained ongoing growth for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.